have a timeout. Decide not to use it. Curry, way down top. Bang! Bang! Oh, what a shot from Curry! Rebound box. Back out to Allen. History title. Bang! Back to Iguodala. Up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. Here's Middleton. Giannis trailing the lob. Welcome back to The Playbook, a podcast all about the NBA and part of the All Indie Sports Network. I'd like to start off, as per usual, with a thanks to our title sponsor, Jack Brown Videography, the best wedding videographer in Louisville, Indianapolis, and beyond. But as per usual, I'm your host, Sal, joined by a special guest today, actually, subbing in for Mark. I've got my other best friend, Lihu, um, who is also friends with Mark. But Lihu, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me, Sal. It's an honor to be here. Very excited, you know. Big fan of the show, so it's a dream come true. Yeah, uh, one day we'll uh, do a little episode with me, you, and Mark. Yeah, you know, we're all university students, um, so things are getting a little busy. That's why I haven't been uh, consistently uploading the podcast recently. But uh, let's just kick off things. Uh, This has been a pretty good uh, season opening uh, for this year's NBA. And uh, a lot of players are having great games, and a lot of teams are having uh, quite a few issues. Um, and I guess that can segue right into the Lakers, who have started the season 0-5, and five, and right now, if the season was to end today, they would have the first overall pick, which would then be sent to the Pelicans from the AD trade. So, um, Lihu, being a former Lakers fan, uh, <laughs> before LeBron came, um, and now current Nuggets fan, I guess, um, explain uh, your thoughts on the Lakers. Just give me a little brief overview on how you feel about this team. Um, as an OG Lakers fan, it hurts a little inside. But as a LeBron hater, I'm having the time of my life. And, you know, it sucks that the media is just blaming it all on Russ because while he's one of the main problems, it's not all on him. And if you look at who built the team, it's half Rob Palenka, half LeBron. Like... Even if you don't want to admit it or other people don't want to admit it, LeBron has a lot of say. He's one of the he is probably the most experienced player in the NBA and he's still an MVP caliber player. So he has a lot of say in building his teams and it's kinda of clear he's trying to build his LeBron type of team, like try to gain get some shooters, but you won't be able to get shooters if A D and Russell Westbrook are eating all of your contract or eating all your uh eating all your money, you know? Like you can't just be pulling funds out of nowhere. So it's, you know, I just feel like the problem, it, there's not necessarily one problem, but when you're, uh, when your winning percentage is lower than Russell Westbrook's shooting percentage, uh, it's a real problem. Yeah. So right now they are sitting at 0% for their wins. Um, <laughs> and you look at this team and you look at the big three of LeBron, AD and Russ, uh, if you want to consider Russ part of that big three. Um, and then I guess your next best guy up is Patrick Beverly. But after that, these are guys that really wouldn't be getting many playoff minutes uh, come playoff time on any other team in the NBA. Um, honestly, as a Pacers fan, I feel like the Pacers team might be better constructed than this Lakers team. Uh, something that you can't, you can't. Yeah. And nowadays, I don't know if investing almost fifty million into each player in your big three is a good idea, and then having everyone else on minimums um, really hasn't proved to work. Um, from last year. The Lakers were really old. They missed the playoffs. But this year, they kind of came into this year trying to get a little more youthful. They picked up guys like Troy Brown, Thomas Bryant, uh, drafted Max Christie, um, 
Kendrick Nunn finally made his debut, who was on the team last year, but was injured the whole year. Uh, brought back Dennis Schroeder. Um, signed Juan Toscano Anderson. Uh, I mean, not really notable to say that, but uh, <laughs> more notably, uh, the two key guys that they added would probably be Patrick Beverly and uh, Lonnie Walker, uh, who's been kind of one of their go-to scorers uh, amongst... Uh, I mean, even more of a score than Russ is at this point in his career. Yeah. Um, who, I, I agree with you, it's kind of unfair to blame this all on Russ. I mean, sure, he kind of, I guess you could say he's fallen off, but it really wasn't due to him being worse. It's kind of the situation that he's just thrown into. Um, I agree. Yeah. You look at the Wizards team that he was on where he basically averaged a triple-double, and um, this team was kind of built more so to fit him and his play style, uh, he was he was kind of the man on that team. I still stand by him being better than Beal that year. Um, oh, yeah. oh yeah. And Russ was like a force of nature. And then you trade him to the Lakers. Um, instead of getting Buddy Heald, uh, they chose Russ or DeMar DeRozan. Um, and they get Russ uh, around a team with really just no shooters um, and expect that dynamic of LeBron and Russ to kind of work. I mean, even when LeBron's off the court, I've seen some stats where uh, Russ and AD are kind of a plus together, um, and Braun and AD are a plus together, but when you kind of put Russ with Braun, it doesn't work. Uh, uh, they have been experimenting the bench unit thing, um, which really, long term, I don't want a guy who's making $47 million coming off my bench. Um, yeah. And yeah, it just sucks to see the the blame of Westbrook and lots of uh, NBA insiders saying if he's off the Lakers at this point, like he's out of the league. Um, which, I mean, if you look at all the teams in the NBA right now, you can't really make a case for many teams that would need Russ. Um, cause, Not need, but I would say there's a lot of teams that he could contribute to. He's still in... He's still on the right team. He can be an all-star caliber player, I'll say. I don't think he's making an all-star team on any on any team this season at least but he can still contribute you know like i just think honestly the lakers is probably the worst fit for him in the whole entire league like look at any other team like i was about to say i was in my head the first team where i kind of like i kind of was gonna say actually i don't know about this one was the warriors because they're so loaded but look at the warriors they have all these shooters throw russ on there he's finding people He's a playmaker, you know? Like, you can't put him and LeBron together and have AD as your best shooter and expect that team to work out. Like, they have they have, they have these three amazing guys, amazing individual performers, but when you put all three of them together and you're set and the big is the best shooter, and let, he let, we're not we're not even going to excuse Anthony Davis as a very good shooter. Him being the best shooter on the Lakers does not make him a good shooter, you know? And I think that's another one of that's as big of a as of a problem as Russ. Like the no shooters that that might be the biggest problem because you look at LeBron, he's always had shooters around him. Like you look at his Cleveland team, his two stars beside him, elite three point shooters, Kyrie and Kevin Love. You can count on them on them to hit a shot. Can you count on Russ to do that? No. no. Can no. you count on on Anthony Davis? You can't even count on Anthony mm. Davis anymore. You can count I mean, on Anthony Davis to hit the side of the backboard, yeah. you know? <laughs> a little bit. Come playoff time, AD's there, but regular yeah. season, yeah. this team isn't constructed to win games. Um, yeah. And especially with having all these older guys, uh, being uh, with LeBron, AD isn't very old, but he's extremely injury-prone at this point. Uh, and Russ is older, but he's kind of an Iron Man, so you don't really have to worry about him. 
but this team needs a lot of rest. And if you take out AD or LeBron, that basically just makes your chance of winning basically zero. Um, and basically, yeah, the Lakers are last in three-point makes um, per game and in the season. Uh, I think right now they're making about 8.4 threes per game. And who do you think is first right now for threes made? Uh, like average-wise average, or total-wise? Average-wise. Average-wise, I'm going to have to say... I want to say maybe Reeves. Reeves or Lonnie? No, team, team, team. Oh, team Which team do you in think the whole has, league? In the whole league, who do you think makes the most threes? Man, that's tough. I might have to even say the Blazers, maybe. Blazers. Okay. Um, Who's, the who is Portland it? Portland Trail Blazers are 15th. Wow. Uh, that's surprising. In is first place. Indiana Pacers are in first place right now. Wow. Averaging 15 wow. and a half threes per game. Wow. Um, yesterday in their game against the Nets, which uh, I got to talk about that later when we talk about the Nets, but uh, they made 23 three-pointers in that game, which is a franchise record. Um, James Johnson was one of those people who hit the, one of those threes. So Let's go, big, big James, James. Big game James, uh, revenge against his former team. Um, but yeah, yep. the Lakers uh, seriously got some problems. Um, and funny enough, the contrast between first and last place makes a lot of sense because Lakers being 30th, and the Pacers being first, two teams that have been linked to so many trade rumors for this past two years with LeBron era in uh, in LA. Related to two big shooters on the Pacers, Exactly, too. two big shooters. Uh, Miles Turner coming in, uh, I guess we can just talk about this right now, his first game uh, of the season after missing uh, some time due to landing on a ball boy's foot. Um, uh, Miles Turner had... Just gonna find it here. Oh, here it was so twenty-seven points, ten rebounds, and five blocks, which was his first game of the season. Huge absurd game. game, absurd game, and that's all a Pacers fan can hope for. At this point, I'm kind of done with the Miles uh, tenure in Indiana. I, I'm okay with moving on, especially with the Pacers being, I, I think, three and four. I'd kind of prefer them to bottom out at this point. I mean, yeah. might mess around and Let make them play in at this point, but bit. like Miles Turner, that's boosting his value a lot. Someone else who's boosted their value a lot is Buddy Heal has been on a tear since the start of the season. Um, I think he's averaging about 20 points a game, um, making a lot of threes, shooting really well. Uh, just really yeah. a very big plus guy. Um, and he's been the main guy that the Pacers have linked to the Lakers, or the Lakers have linked to the Pacers. And um, even a Miles and Buddy uh, trade for Russ was kind of the one that was thrown out there a lot. Um I can't remember what source I heard this from, but the Lakers declined a offer that included Russ um, and the two first-round picks from 2027-2029 for um, Miles, Buddy, and uh, Daniel Tice. And the reason they didn't do it apparently is because of Daniel Tice's contract. Doesn't make any sense. Wow. <laughs> yeah, wow. I don't know. Daniel That's... Tice is the thing that was. Uh, that might have brought shouldn't me have back been to the, the Lakers thing. fandom. Yeah, shouldn't have been the thing that wow. detoured that. But um, they also didn't like the idea of giving up two first-round picks. But at this point, with the worst start imaginable, um, I think they've got to give up those picks or, uh, you know, next year trade LeBron. Um, I, I'm very <laughs> big fan of that idea. Yeah, I, I don't know. If you're going to keep LeBron on this team and you're in until LeBron retires, you got to trade those picks right now because uh, if they could pick up – Buddy and Turner, they're looking at like kind of contender-esque. Their bench still sucks. Their depth still sucks. But now they've kind of got 
five quality guys instead of like three and a half um, being, yeah. I mean, probably more than five quality guys now. But um, you get Buddy, perfect player for LeBron. Uh, in the past three years, I believe Buddy Heal is the first. He's in first place for most threes made since three years ago. Yeah. A um, hundred more than Steph. Um, Steph did miss a whole season with it, and basically a whole season with injury. But, um, I mean, that just shows the caliber of shooter he is. Uh, highly ranked amongst all-time three-point shooters. Um, and Miles Turner brings incredible defense, um, at least protecting the rim. Uh, I don't know about the paint. I think he's slightly over. I, I, I fell victim to this in the past of Miles Turner being a really good defender. <laughs> but at this point, uh, watching him, he, he is kind of prone to making uh, mistakes uh, around the paint, uh, which is something that AD could probably pick up slack for, which you'd kind of hope being oh, yeah. AD, being good, trying to be a franchise guy. Very so, well. Exactly. So putting Miles beside AD is like the perfect defensive um, front court for that team. Um, and Miles uh, typically isn't injury prone. Uh, I believe he's averaging like 60-ish games per season, maybe more. It's just he had some bad injury luck. Uh, Buddy Heald also um, plays a lot of games in the season, so you don't got to worry about that. Um, and these two players not only fit well with AD, but they fit well with LeBron and the direction they're trying to go. Um, makes them a bit younger. Um, and I think that is probably their best option. They've also been linked to the Hornets with Terry Rozier and Gordon Hayward being a uh, duo. I think that would probably cost a little more than Turner and um, Buddy. But the fit-wise, I don't know how much I like the Terry Rozier thing but because um, he's another guy that needs the ball in his hands. Um, yeah. But, I mean, LeBron's always going to be playing the point guard. Uh, Terry's been more of a two-guard since LaMelo arrived, and he's been succeeding. So on paper, like, it could work. Uh, Gordon Hayward, I love that fit for the Lakers. Um, me and Mark actually talked about that a while ago, how uh, Mark believes that when healthy, Gordon Hayward is the best player on the Hornets. Uh, he also says that Tyrese is better than LaMelo at this point. Um but uh, besides the point of that, um, Gordon Hayward, we both really want to see Gordon Hayward on a contending team because he really hasn't had oh, a yeah. shot to do that and such an incredible basketball player that can contribute in basically every single way. Um, and I guess putting him on the Lakers should, on paper, put him in that situation. Um, but, yeah, uh, what, what trade would you like to see then? Definitely the one for Buddy and Miles. You know I'm a big Buddy guy. That's Buddy Buckets any team he's he's the perfect modern player he's just a spot-up shooter he's his defense has improved a lot a lot since his rookie year i've been keeping close close track of that he's also just improved his ball handling he's gone from just a very very elite shooter to you know a guy who can help you with a little bit of everything and you know i think on the lakers that's what they need um even though the main priority is to get shooters you can't just get only shooters, you know? You got to get someone who can do a little bit of something else. And that's why Miles is also an amazing fit because, yeah, like, his main specialty is blocking shots. But this guy's probably, like, top, definitely a top five shooting center in the league. I don't know if we can give him that number one spot, like, confirmed, but for sure top five. So I think those two guys, especially considering, like, you know, wing-wise, like, LeBron's a big guy, like, and like you said about Terry, he needs the ball in his hands more. 
I think having like someone like Buddy who doesn't necessarily need the ball in his hands a lot, but can just create in a split second, I think that's what the Lakers need, especially with LeBron and AD's usage rates, you know? Mm-hmm. And the best part about Buddy Heald's evolution um, since being in Indiana, um, which he also talked about in a uh, press conference, but uh, coming from Sacramento, he was basically what you say, a, a spot-up shooter. Uh, didn't really get the ball in his hands a lot besides uh, catch and shoot or maybe like... I don't know, cutting to the basket. But um, at this point in his career in Indiana, uh, Rick Carlisle has given him a lot of more opportunity to hold the ball, to dribble the ball, to shot create on his own, uh, kind of taking on another type of role. I mean, he's been seen as a shooting guard his whole career, but now he's kind of, you know, got the shot creation that you'd see from a typical small forward or a forward player. Um, and he's very happy he's been able to get that opportunity. Um and playmaking is also there. He gets like a few assists per game, sometimes upwards of five plus. And uh, it's basically, he's become the perfect player for the Lakers right now. And yeah. it, it sucks that they could have had him a long time ago. Um, but yeah, you know, uh, I like that trade for both sides, uh, being a fan of the Pacers, kind of bottoms them out. I mean, winning games is fun. I like, I always root for them to win against contending teams, um, but against other teams like mid teams that no one cares about i always want them to lose um yeah. yeah especially with you know the big big name in next year's draft victor yeah you know it's not this is not the season to be floating around 500 it's the season to be competing or you're going for that first overall pick yeah and even victor uh being so incredible there's also so many other guys in that draft class the oh, Pacers yeah. don't happen to hit first which Likely, even if they were the worst record in the NBA, I don't think the league would let the Pacers get the first overall <laughs> pick. So, uh, you know, you don't want Victor going to the cornfields of Indiana. But, um, I mean, there's other guys. Scoot Henderson, an all-NBA guy. Uh, you got Amen and Oscar Thompson, uh, both projected oh, yeah, to go nice. high lottery. Uh, and uh, Derek Whitehead. Um, and there's another uh, center. I don't know his name, but he's also pretty high up in the in the rankings, but this is a really deep draft class. Pacers already have three picks for this draft class, um, first-round picks. Uh, so if they could bottom out, uh, they would get the Celtics pick, which is obviously going to be somewhere between 25 and 30. Um, Cleveland's pick, which is probably somewhere between 20 and 25. Um, and then their own pick, which you're hoping to be first, right? Um, so bottoming out, sending them to L.A., getting those two Los Angeles picks, which most people would assume are going to be in the lottery somewhere up there because LeBron is already, what, 39, 40? Yeah. So, you know, he's not going to be there in 2027. AD, I can't imagine him wanting to be there on his own. So, um, you know, it it will be free run for uh, those picks. Yeah, just whoever gives the Lakers the best deal that helps them right now gets those picks easy peasy. LeBron, he doesn't care about the Lakers' future. He he won't be there in he won't be there in three years. He's gonna be playing with Bronny wherever he goes. LeBron, for all LeBron cares, he'll trade the next fifty years of Lakers picks if it helps him get one fifteen points per game three point score. You know, yeah. he he doesn't care. He doesn't care. But I understand that he's LeBron. He has that power. He has that say. And honestly, at this point, with him realistically staying on the Lakers an 80s thing on the Lakers, it'd be a waste of an opportunity if they didn't try to win now and trade those picks. So even they've already sold their future, they might as well just sell it all the way. 
Yeah, um, I mean, they did win that bubble championship, which a lot of people disregard uh, for being an actual... It's number 17. You know, <laughs> they're tied with the Celtics. Yeah, they don't forget. The Celtics. Uh, in definition, they did win a championship, but a lot of people are hungry to see this Lakers team on an actual big stage with hundreds of thousands and millions of fans watching um, in person uh, compared to playing in basically an open gym. Um but, you know, LeBron's sure probably is hungry to win another one in Los Angeles. Um, I, I honestly don't see him doing it with the level of talent that's in the league right now. But um, that kind of leads us to another team that has had a really rocky start, being uh, the Brooklyn Nets. So this team right now is 1-5, uh, coming off a loss to, you know, the Pacers, um, where, I mean... Ben Simmons, uh, I saw this clip of him like probably an hour ago. He was he got a steal um, in a passing lane, drove to the rim. Isaiah Jackson was like kind of behind him, and then he had a wide open dunk, and he just stopped and he waited for someone to cut and just killed the whole fast break. Um, I mean, Kyrie and most of his teammates have been defending Ben. Uh, I still don't uh, hate on Ben ever, but um, I mean, you'd hope at this point. He hasn't. I don't even know if he's hit like ten points in the season yet, but uh, like he really needs to amp up that aggression. The assists, though, the fluidity that he's bringing to the Nets' offense um, has been great. He's getting about eight, nine assists per game, uh, and you want him to hover around that mark to hopefully be successful. Um, the Nets are still dealing with uh, Seth Curry's injury, who's probably a big piece on that team. Uh, came back, played his first game against the Pacers, but obviously he's not fully 100. Uh, same with Joe Harris. Um, waiting for uh, TJ Warren, uh, MJ Warren, who we have not had an update in three years. Karis LeVert had got traded, had cancer, cured his cancer, came back, got injured again, got traded to Cleveland all in that time, and had zero updates on TJ Warren all in that span. But uh, I guess they got TJ on a minimum. I still believe he can be a pretty, I mean, for this Nets team, he can be a pretty good bucket getter. Picked up my boy Royals Royce O'Neal, uh, who's been fitting really well at this system. I mean, they haven't contributed to many wins yet, um, being one. Um, a lot of fans I've seen are very ha um, angry at Steve Nash uh, and his uh, coaching ability, which was kind of on the hot seat this summer with the KD um, and I don't know how true it was. I don't know if Kevin Durant denied him saying that he wanted Steve Nash fired. But, um, I mean, there's got to be some changes they can make because with all the star power, um, Kyrie Irving, uh, most importantly, has been going crazy since the start of the season. Um, KD's had some great performances. Yesterday, uh, he did struggle uh, against Indiana because their defense is so elite. Um, and, <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. How do you feel about this Nets team? I honestly, looking at the way this team is on paper, I'm a very big fan. I think it's a very well-rounded team. You have shooters on this team. You have Kyrie, KD, two top 10 players, in my opinion. I know Kyrie being a top 10 player is debatable because of how many games he's missed and stuff, but when he's healthy and he's playing, this guy, this guy could give you 30 on good efficiency every night. And, you know, he's not he's not doing it inefficiently. He's, like I said, like he's scoring, even last season, he scored around 48-49% from the field. And for a guard, that's really good. He's one of the few players in recent times who's had a 50-40-90 season. So, you know, he, he's still doing that. And then you have, move on to defense. KD, 
another he's a great two-way star and because he's such an amazing offensive player i feel like he doesn't get enough credit on the on the defensive end rolls royce like you said very good defender very underrated you know he'll he'll pick your pockets when you least expect it then of course we got big ben and i do think ben's gonna improve a lot like Kyrie said this guy's it's his first five games in two years you know and it's the fifth game and this guy almost had a triple double he had Mm -hmm. nine eight and nine yesterday and i understand why it's hard for him to shoot i understand you know, like he he discussed his mental health. He discussed how it all affected him. And even though we, even though the media clowns him, and you know, Big Ben is a joke. Like at the end of the day, that's all serious stuff. And like, you know, he he might have just developed like he's just afraid to take shots. And we can clearly see that, like you said about when Isaiah Jackson was just approaching him. Like Ben had an open fast break, you know. But it's all just a mental block. But he's playing with these shooters. He has Nick, Nick Claxton for pick and roll. That's a very good big for that team. You know, young, energetic, big, can get you blocks, can get you rebounds. And, you know, if you look at the numbers on this team, KD went from, like, almost eight rebounds a game to only four and a half now. And that just that's not necessarily a bad thing because that just means there's other people to start those breaks for him, which is really good. Him and Kyrie can get down there. So even though this team's had a really rocky start, I think they definitely have very high potential to turn things around, unlike the Lakers. So, yeah, and Indiana yeah, beating sure. them yesterday just shows that Indiana, even though we all probably think they'll be an insane team in like two, three seasons, it might not even be that long. Mm-hmm. You know, this team mm-hmm. it has very they have very good players. Jalen Smith too. I know he had a little bit of a rough shooting performance. I just want to say a shout out to my boy because he's been exceeding expectations of this season. Yeah, uh, this Nets team, I, I love the fit of Ben on this team. Um, like Steve Nash said, if he never takes a jumper for the Nets organization, he'd be okay with that. I don't know how much we should trust Steve Nash at this point because clearly he's not doing something right. But uh, um, Ben Simmons fills the great uh, – he, he's a glue guy for this team, basically. Um, he fills the good dunking role for this team and just being in those dunking lanes – uh, I mean, Ro- Rolls-Royce made an incredible dish to him right under the rim uh, yesterday. Uh, it was a really beautiful pass. Uh, got a nice, easy dunk. Uh, Nick Claxton, you've seen him blossom a lot, like you said, um, kind of filling that starting center spot and locking it in because I know last year they had a lot of trouble with their center play. Um, but I also heard on the broadcast uh, yesterday versus Pacers how uh, Steve Nash, I didn't really notice this, but Steve Nash has been spacing out the minutes of Simmons and Claxton, so they don't really play too much together. Uh, I believe in the first quarter against Indiana, they only played like two minutes together, um, and they're kind of trying to move Ben into that five role, um, which, I mean, this Nets team doesn't really need too many bigs because they already have so much length, but, um, I mean, Ben as a center is kind of probably the best thing for the playoffs um, or as a power forward, depending how good Nick Claxton is, but the combination of Nick and Ben shooting is not very good for the playoffs uh, so seeing Ben as a five ideally would be nice uh, and then I guess you got either Rolls or KD at, at, at the four and three so I, I still think that this Nets team is going to turn it around for sure because last year if the Celtics team was able to turn it around and be as good as they were I, I think it's definitely a, a high possibility that the Nets do turn it around um yeah like I you said agree. it's it's a very well constructed team uh just need to see them kind of you know show that um yeah 
Yeah. Uh, I definitely think they should, uh, you know, try to move Ben uh, to the five, you know, especially like you said, with him and Nick Lax both being uh, bad shooters and they both can't shoot free throws, you know. It's big problems in today's league. And, of course, like, I'm, I like, you know, I'm high on Nick. Like, that's the boy, like, Claxton, you know, his development has been very nice. But you take this guy and you put him on other NBA teams, he's not a starting center, you know. I, I, and I think if you can move Ben to the five and experiment with that throughout the season, because this team is making the playoffs, in my opinion, and this team can do something in the playoffs. So, you know, why not? Why not try it out during the season? Why not test it out? Like, Ben hasn't been going crazy, like you said. It's it's worth a shot. Like you're one in five, one in four, whatever it is. You might as well try it out. Especially you have players like KD and Kyrie, who because you know they've been in a lot of different situations. They're very experienced players. They're all around guys. I think you try it out because this is the perfect team for to try Ben out at the center. Because you have everyone else who can shoot. Especially especially when Seth Curry's healthy. You know you put Ben at the five. You put you put imagine Joe Harris, Kyrie. Seth Curry and KD at the four, and you have Bennett center diming that lineup in the playoffs. Wow, that I'm I'm excited to to see if the Nets run that lineup. Yeah, point center Ben would be amazing in the playoffs. Uh, I think probably right now they're just letting him get a lot of reps um, under his belt. Uh, maybe they do transition to putting him at the five, but as of right now, probably playing him where he's most comfortable. Um, and maybe they do buy in at the deadline and pick up another piece. Um, and they have seen flashes that Claxton can be that guy too, uh, specifically against the Raptors, where um, I guess they got their only win. Um, Pascal had like I think he had 37, 11 assists and 13 rebounds against the um, Nets that game, but they still didn't win. Rolls Royce had a, a dagger three, um, but it was really the Nick Claxton show because he was dominating them. I think he had like 19 points and 15 rebounds and a bunch of blocks. Just yeah. incredible. Four uh, blocks. It seemed like the IQ of him cutting to the rim is a lot higher um, compared to last season. And uh, I guess that's just what they need. So, oh, yeah. yeah, of course we're hoping for them to turn it around. Um, I guess we can look now at the opposite side of the spectrum uh, for a team that's not trying to win. Uh, San Antonio Spurs have had some interesting things occur yesterday. Um, so uh, a former 12th overall pick from la- uh, the 2021 draft, Joshua Primo, who happens to only be a year older than me and Lee Hu, um, 19 years old, Josh Primo has been waived from the Spurs, um, which everyone it was so shocked by because, to be fair, Josh Primo isn't like a crazy He's not, like, scoring and not really showing out this season right now, but he's doing a little bit of everything, and he's still super young, got a lot of potential, and was looking... He was looked at as a core to this Spurs team that they have right now, or whatever kind of core they've got. I don't know if it's much, but whatever they have, he was a good part of it. And they waived him. Uh, basically, uh, what Josh Primo did is... Uh, they didn't disclose why, but Josh Primo put on his uh, Instagram story before he went private, he said uh, something about, like, dealing with past trauma and mental health and he's going to take a break from the game but later it was revealed by uh, I can't remember if it was Woj or Shams but whoever it was uh, they did reveal that uh, Primo actually exposed himself to multiple women in the uh, both in the league and maybe outside the league but just focused on inside the league uh, especially with Spurs staff members Um, uh, multiple women came forward and said that Primo did expose himself 
to them, uh, which is just so weird. Like, why why would you do that? You're an NBA player. You can have any woman you want. You already have a girlfriend. You have any woman you want. You're making millions of dollars. Uh, I'm sure you could pay someone to watch you do that if you really wanted to. <laughs> but, um, like, it's just so dumb. And the amount of, like arrests and crimes and stuff like that has been insane this off season. Uh, yeah. Like Eric Bledsoe just got arrested. Um, I mean, he's not in the league anymore, but Ben Gordon was arrested for striking his son in the airport. Yeah. I don't know if you saw that. James Booknight. Uh, yeah. Dude. James Booknight, like three Hornets players. <laughs> um, yeah. Hornets Montrez, just in their own little uh, county over there. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, who else? Um, Talante West just got arrested again. Uh, oh well, he's you not. Know, he's you know, he's like in the cr- he he's just in can't the get help at this NBA. point. Yeah, um, and uh, yeah, just a lot of a lot of bad things have been happening, and this is probably one of the worst ones because uh, actually Miles Bridges was definitely the worst one. But uh, this, in terms of talent lost, I'd say Primo is probably the second worst uh, thing. Um, I agree, and I mean it sucks. I, I don't know when he's going to be back in the league if he's back in the league. Uh, of course, he deserves a roster spot on basically every single tanking team. But at this point, uh, I don't know if you can add him to your roster without uh, having all those connotations that come with him. And his, uh, I guess it's a crime. Um, I, I guess it is a crime yeah. because you can't do that. And uh, <laughs> I don't know what the backlash yeah. on that's going to be. But uh, as of right now, I don't think he's been charged with anything. Um. But yeah, that's uh, that's the Josh Primo news. Um, yeah, just disappointing. It like, is disappointing. He fit. He fit. He. F- if you look at it, the Spurs were really planning on starting the rebuild with this draft. This is their first year of really rebuilding, and he's their youngest player. You know, him and uh, him and uh, what's his name? Uh, the new rookie on the Spurs. Uh, Sochan. Uh, Jeremy Sochan. Yeah, like you know, those two guys are both really young very uh they fit the timeline of whoever would get drafted this year like i know for the spurs ideally it'd be victor and josh is only a year older than victor you know and like you said he was a lottery pick it's not like he's just a random first round pick like this guy was the 12th overall pick and they clearly had big plans for him in the future they were starting him some games already this season and it's just yeah it's just disappointing because you know i'm i don't know about all the other nba fans but i know me and you personally we like seeing teams understand their position and understand they need to start rebuilds. And personally, the Spurs with Vassell and uh, and Keldon, like I, that's a young and up, that's a young team, that's an exciting team, and it's just disappointing, honestly. Just yeah, disappointing. And it's a team that had even more potential to bottom out too. Um, I mean, they were also linked to Russell Westbrook. Uh, I think it was for like uh, Pirtle and something else but they were also linked to russ um and i mean it sucks that having one of your core guys removed um is tough for any team as we saw for the hornets who now at this point the hornets might have to blow things up again and uh start from the bottom uh i mean if they had bridges they could still be competing for a playoff spot which they've been coveting for the past couple years being in the play-in but um this was kind of their year to uh maybe show some stuff off they did draft Mark Williams, uh, only give him four minutes a game for some reason. Makes no sense why they're playing Plumlee over him. But uh, they've got Nick Richards, who's been actually a pretty good plus for them, uh, who they drafted a few years ago. Um, 
and right now they just can't win games because they're they just lost one of their best players, um, who to be fair should not see a court uh, the NBA court again. But um, yeah, you know it, it sucks losing a core member like that. Um, I mean, probably even worse for the. It's definitely worse for the Hornets, but uh, even for the Spurs, like even if you think Josh Primo is a bum, he's still. Uh, to the non-casual NBA fan, he is definitely a piece that has quite some good potential um, for himself. Yeah. Do you have anything else to say about the Spurs, or do you want to move on? Um, we I think we can uh we can end the we can end the discussions of the little man who's uh exposing himself himself there. You know, you can you can uh, segue us. All right, so uh, we have a ton of key performances here that we've uh, kind of listed since the beginning of the season. Now I'm not gonna go over all of them because there's probably about twenty to twenty ish stat lines here that I could read. But I'm kind of going to go over the most interesting ones. I'm also going to let you pick and choose whatever ones you want to talk about. Um, but for me, uh, we already talked about the Miles Turner performance, uh, but uh, I wanted to kind of spotlight this really interesting um, stat line from, uh, I guess, two days ago. Uh, Karis LeVert and Donovan Mitchell um, had 41 points each um, versus the Celtics, uh, which is crazy. Um, just having 40, two players with 40 is nuts. And it's even not, uh, crazier for Karis LeVert, uh, who we've seen him drop 40 pieces multiple times. His last game as a pacer, he dropped 40-something. And uh, he is a scorer. But in this game, he not only had 41 points, but he also had 7 assists. And uh, we've seen with Darius Garland and his eye injury, uh, Karis LeVert kind of take on a, more role, a bigger role than he's been asked to and playmake, which he has been quite successful at. Um, but now we're seeing him getting to his spots, uh, shooting shots that he likes to take. Um, and being on the Pacers, when he was on the Pacers, uh, he was basically asked to be him. He was asked to do everything. Um, that's why I kind of started to dislike him on the Pacers because I saw him as a shot chucker. Um, when he got traded to Indiana, I was saying he was the second coming of, uh, of God, and <laughs> I was so excited to have him. Thoroughly disappointed me, but... Um, I mean, I still root for the guy. I have no ill will to him. But, um, I mean, in the, on this Cavs team, he's finally found a role as the, uh, I guess, he has been starting, but I think he likes the bench a little more with the freedom of having the ball. Um, Donovan Mitchell's really been showing out as Cavalier, showing why he's probably the best player. I mean, the debate was between him and Garland, but right now it's looking pretty clear it's D. Mitch, even though we haven't got a sample size from Garland yet. But Donovan's been... Very, very good. Um, but in terms of Karis LeVert, um, he's just getting the shots. He's more comfortable. He's got a role. The coach has carved out a role for him that works. Um, his defense, we've seen improve. Um, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, what would you like to talk about? Just touching back on that game by Karis and Donovan mm-hmm. Mitchell, I'm pretty sure that's the first 40-40 uh, game we've seen on the Cavs since LeBron and Kyrie did that in the finals which is you know those are haunting times for me when LeBron and Kyrie were that good together but honestly I don't I think if you asked anyone if if you expected who you expected to hit that 40-40 game it would not be Karis LeVert and Donovan Mitchell together like obviously you can see Donovan Mitchell giving you 40 40 points every night especially this season he's been going crazy but Karis like we know he's capable, but 
honestly did not expect him to do it this season, let, let alone when Donovan Mitchell scored another 40. So, yeah, that was very impressive. But if I had to discuss another game that really impressed me, Tyrese's game, of course. Tyrese Maxey. Especially with Harden and Embiid both on his team. This guy went out and he dropped 44 points against the Raptors, who are known as a good defensive team too, but they just had no answers for him that night. And I think everyone sees the potential with Tyrese, and I think him having Harden as kind of a mentor, especially in his earlier years now, it's really going to benefit him a lot down the road. And there was also 44 points on 75% from the field. He was 9 for yeah. 12 from 3. Uh, I think he finished the, finished half the first half 10 for 10 from the field. Uh so, I mean, we've all known that Tyrese last season really showed how much potential he has. Um, there's still a better Tyrese in the NBA, in my opinion, but this one's pretty close. Actually, I don't know about pretty close. but <laughs> he's, he's not close. He's, he's good. He's also good. But, um, yeah. I mean, there's just been so many good performances. Like, you can look at Giannis and Luka doing their thing, but it really doesn't surprise me at this point. Um, yeah. Names that I, I talked about the Pascal triple-double. Um, you got Jaw dropping the most points in the season, which is 49. Um, to me, I think the next most interesting player would probably be the tear that Damian Lillard has been on um, before he got his calf strain. Um, I think it was, there's at least two, he had 41 points twice and a, a bunch of 30-plus games. And, and, and the Blazers are, I think, like 5-1. and one. Uh, yeah. so they've been really good and unexpectedly a lot of people had them missing the playoffs but I certainly didn't expect Dame to come back this season and be as good as he was um, I expected maybe a little bit of a rust to be there but there really is none um, he is still showing he's like a top three I, I don't know I, don't, I actually don't want to put a label on it but like a top point guard in the NBA and a top scorer in the NBA um, definitely but it's just been extremely impressive yeah, you know I'm not a big damn guy. You know I have, I have nightmares of him uh, haunting the Nuggets in the playoffs. It's obviously not as bad as Thunder fans, but I still have my own nightmares. But yeah, it's just even though I dis I dislike him as a player, watching him play, you can't not enjoy that. Just a fluid player, great score, can hit a shot at any moment when you need him to. Like when he came, that comeback on the Lakers. The Lakers were up like eight with a minute and a half left. And Dame comes back, scores a bunch of buckets. There's 23 seconds left. They have the full shot clock. Dame comes, walks down the court, little hezzy step, steps back, hits a three. Right, I don't remember whose face it was in. I think it was JTA's face. But, and, and then the Lakers lost. But, yeah, Dame's just been insane. And, yeah, I don't think anyone projected him to just come out and just do this right out of the gates. Yeah, I, I certainly didn't expect it. Um, so, yeah, around the league, it's been a really hot start for basically most teams and most players individually. Um, but uh, we're at about 45 minutes right now. Uh, so we actually have a segment uh, that we're going to do to end off the episode here. We're gonna, um, if the season was to end today, here would be our award winners. Um, so, Lee, I'm going to let you pick what, what award we should start with first. Um, let's start with the most improved players because I know I got a couple Pacers guys on my list and I know you probably do too. 
So let me ask you first, who who do you have in the most improved uh, discussion right now? And who so do you have winning right now? We talked about, uh, are we, we put three guys on our list for uh, first, second, and third. Um, in first place, I think runaway first place, the evolution of Tyrese Halliburton's game this season has been next level. As a Pacers fan, I have never seen someone so good at basketball grace the court. Um, and he's really making conversation for the best play, uh, Pacer right now since Paul George. Um, and he's been averaging about 25 points per game, which is, I, I think, at least a 7 or 8 points per game jump. Um, the yeah. offensive confidence has been next level. This guy was kind of afraid to take shots at the start of his Pacers tenure. It was either you'd get 15 assists and 10 points, or you'd get 30 points and 4 assists. But right now, you're getting 25 points per game and 11 assists per game. On top of that, you're getting a couple steals per game too. And it just shows his all-around game is crazy. His confidence is crazy. He knows he's the leader. And the shots he's taking are creative, um, and it's not... uh, something that can be guarded well he has a bag and that's what you want to see in your star player um and along with this the pacers were projected to be the worst team in the nba and the east at least which i still think is a possibility but starting off the first week uh, or so of the season the pacers are two and four or i think three and four sorry and that's that's quite good and that's all led by tyrese halberton who has basically been the best player in every single game um, or close to it. He really hasn't had a single bad game yet. Um, the turnovers are low, uh, assists are high, and the points are high. Um, and I think that even though it's the first week of the season, I can still see him putting up similar numbers the whole season. Um, although it might not contribute to wins most of the time, um, I think he's, at this point, um, going into his, I believe, his third year in the NBA, Um that's when a lot of players can win this Most Improved Player Award. I think the third-year jump of Tyrese Halliburton is 100% going to win him the Most Improved Player. Um, I'll also go over my other two a little more briefly because, uh, to be fair, I've only been tuning into Pacers games and who they play. But, um, <laughs> uh, you know, it's the life of the university student, right? So, yeah. um, I, a second, I have De'Aaron Fox, who's been really good this season i think he's averaging 30 something right now um and his next level step uh with the removal of tyrese halliburton uh has been very noticeable too um now the kings haven't started off the season too hot but um really De'Aaron fox has been averaging 30 points and like eight rebounds and seven assists and he's really kind of shown that he can distribute the ball a little more this season um while scoring at a high clip and pretty good efficiency um, last year. I know it wasn't uh, super high, but uh, this season we're kind of seeing that jump that everyone's expected De'Aaron Fox to have. Uh, He's always been for the past couple of years an all-star caliber player, but this season might be the season where he finally makes it, and I feel like he is a guy that should be nodded the all-star appearance um, very soon. Um, And Actually, I just want to backtrack a second. So the uh, all-star game next year is in Indianapolis, and uh, I am going to bet money on Halliburton making it next year because it only makes sense, right? I don't think he's going to make it this year, but next year, he's going to make it. Anyways, um, and my last player on the most approved player list, um, which at least one player on this team, this new rebuilding team, was expected to go off, and that would be Laurie Markkinen, um, 
who has been next level. You know, you'd expect Colin Sexton to be that guy, but Laurie Markkinen is showing those flashes that he showed on the Bulls. Um, on the Cavs, he, he played a good role in the Cavs. He was more of a role player, but you put him on this in this Utah team, and this guy's averaging like 25 and 12, and it's crazy. Uh, and you got him and Kelly Olynyk, like the two new Dirk Nowitzkis out there. And, uh, you know, Laurie Markkinen's really been showing... And they've been translating to wins, too. They were fifth on the power ranking for the NBA just a little while ago. Um, I believe they're, like, 5-1 and one as well. So, uh, I mean, obviously they're not going to sustain these wins. But Laurie Markkinen uh, can probably hover around what he has right now, being that he has the keys to the team at this point. Um, and, I mean... It's awesome to kind of see him back in that role where he can prosper and he can unlock all that potential he has. Now, he is 25 years old, but um, still a lot of time, still a lot of time to bloom. Uh, he wasn't really given too many opportunities on the Cavs. On the Bulls, he showed it, like I said, but now he's more established. He's, I guess, like kind of a veteran at this point, getting close to that veteran status. So, yeah, uh, let's hear your most improved players. Uh, you, you stole some from my list. You know, Tyrese definitely had him up there. I definitely agree. He's definitely number one right now. His, Like you said, his confidence on offense is just insane. He looks like he's been in the league for 10 years, the way he plays. And his efficiency, shooting 50% from the field on and 94% from the free throw line. Like We don't see those numbers very often, especially from guards. In the third season especially, you look at other third-year guards like... I'm pretty sure this is LaMelo's third year. He's um, LaMelo's not going to be shooting anywhere close to 50%. And that's one of my favorite players, you know. But he's just, he and I, you know, you can't even use the, oh, he has a lot of usage. Oh, he like, you can't even use that excuse because Tyrese is getting that same usage and he's just doing a way more efficient job, you know. LaMelo hasn't played yet, so it's hard to compare. But realistically, LaMelo won't be averaging 50% from the field, so... And as a LaMelo fan, I can, I do agree Tyrese is probably better than LaMelo, especially defensively as well. And playmaking-wise, they're both elite playmakers, yeah. but Tyrese is just, Tyrese is something else. Like, I, my dad's a very big Magic Johnson fan, and he's like, he just, he, he says it just gave him a little, a little spark of magic in there, you know? He's the taller so, Chris Paul. He's the taller Chris Paul. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or you can right. even throw the magic with yeah. a jump shot on yeah. him, you know? <laughs> exactly. Either one works. Yeah, um, sure. So, yeah. I always, I obviously have Tyrese as the number one option. Laurie I won't really touch on because you, you discussed him. I also feel like that's an opportunity thing. He's always had that talent, but him really having this opportunity on a plate right in front of him being that main guy and that... The, in my opinion, the most all-around scorer on that team. You know, I think he's definitely, this is going to be his year. And then I'll put all three of these guys kind of together. Um, I have Keldon, Trey Jones, and Devin Vassell have all really impressed me. But that's, again, they're on the Spurs, and it comes with opportunity. You know, DeJounte's gone. That's a guy who averaged 20, 10, and 10 for them last year. You know, that's a, he did everything. 2010 and 10 and two steals. He was their leader on offense. He was their he was their best scorer, best playmaker, best defender. He did it all. Best rebounder, other than Perto, I would say. But you know now these guys have opportunity, and 
Keldon, in my opinion, obviously the top dog from those three. He's been averaging like 23-7 rebounds, like three and a half threes on like pretty good efficiency. And he averaged 17 last year, you know. He was still a solid player last year. But just that jump in him, like, you know, taking full advantage of this opportunity has really impressed me. And Trey Jones, we've seen it with his brother, Tyus. They're both really efficient point guards, really good assist-to-turnover ratios. But I'm very impressed. He's just been able to do it right out, right off the gates. And then Devin Vassell as well. Like, a lot of people had him projected to, to be really good this season. You know, he showed a lot of potential, averaging, like, 12 points on a couple threes a game last year. You know, the potential was there. But this year, he's been averaging, like, close to 18 points, which these jumps, you know, I feel like even though with the opportunity, like, they're expected, I don't think we should be taking them for granted because we've seen a lot of players. Like, you mentioned Colin Sexton. The opportunity is right in, his, right in front of him, and he just... He's been he's been very bad, respectfully. He's he's not been showing out. So, you know, Clarkson, who is expected to be the sixth man on this team again, has outplayed him. You know, so yeah, I definitely think those three guys on the Spurs, they all have a case. You know, whoever it is, whoever improves the most, I don't know yet because it could go either way. But yeah, and obviously Tyrese. Also, I want to shout out my boy Jalen Smith. Very big jump, also with opportunity, but he's been very impressive. Sticks is just blown. He's just, you know, one one block, one, uh, one three from a center. You know, those are solid numbers, and he's doing everything as well. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Those I'm going to let you uh, kick off Rookie of the Year, too. Okay, so let me just hop right in. I got to mention the boy, the Canadian boy, Benny. You already know I love you some Bene- eggs and Benedict. Tier nah. one. <laughs> He's. I'll say. I'll. I'll say them all, and then I'll say. Okay. And then I'll say. You know who I. Where they can go? Because honestly, it's been very close in my opinion. Yep. So, I would say my three options right now. This could go either way. Is Benny, Keegan, and Paulo. Keegan's sample size has been very small compared to the other two, as he missed the first few games because uh, he had COVID. But he's come in, he's knocked down threes, he's provided good stocks for this Kings team, you know. Especially on a team with Sabonis and De'Aaron Fox, especially with how you mentioned De'Aaron's been having a crazy year, you know. He's been doing whatever they need from him. If they need him to knock down threes, he's been doing that. If they need him to make some drives to the basket and, you know, De'Aaron will find him, he can do that. You know, they need him to be a defender, he can defend two to four, you know, maybe even a small five, like... And he's a 22-year-old rookie. That's what was expected from him, and he's coming through. So he's really impressed me. Ben, in my opinion, Ben has been the most impressive rookie because, you know, we expected Paulo to be very, very good. But Ben, he was the sixth pick, and even though he was very, very, like, obviously he was ranked very highly, no one expected him to be top three in the races. People discuss Jabari, who's also been very solid. Ivy, he's been solid, but Ben has just been above them. He's he's been scoring like a third year guard, you know. And obviously, Paulo, I don't really have to go too in depth for. He's just been a monster. Uh, obviously, on a tanking Orlando team, he's gonna have the opportunity, especially with uh, Franz, who's Franz is also a forward, but he's a playmaking forward. He'll find him. And he has Suggs on his team, even though he's injured right now. So he has all the opportunity, and he's been coming through. And yeah, like Keegan and Paulo have just really blossomed in their roles. But for me, Ben's been the most impressive rookie because, you know, I know you expected this from him. But as a fan who's 
closer to who had closer views to the rest of the league on Ben, I'm very, very impressed. So honestly, I would say right now Apollo is number one for me, but if I had to make some guesses, I could see Benny I could see Benny passing him, honestly. So yeah, what do you gotta say about that? Yeah, so I mean Paulo, exact same thing. He came into the magic. He had the captain role. He's obviously one of the best all-around players in the draft, or probably is the best all-around player in the draft. Um, I don't have Keegan Murray, but I add Jabari Smith in there, who's been averaging, uh, like you said, solid numbers. He's been averaging 14-7 and a block and a half, which is pretty good for the role that he's given. Uh, a lot of people had him as the first pick, but Paulo clearly shows why he was the clear-cut first pick. Um, but I'd like to talk about Benedict Matherin. Um, now, you know... Uh, Coming in after his draft, Benedict had some wild stuff to say about LeBron and his confidence, and he was really showing it. He was getting clowned on social media a little bit. Comes in, first game off the bench. I think he had like 27. I'd like to say he's been averaging uh, 26 points on the season or something like that, um, which is insane. Coming off the bench, by the way. Now, he is playing starter minutes, but regardless... It's ridiculous that the Pacers finally have drafted someone that is great at basketball. I mean, look at <laughs> looking at back at the Pacers draft picks, you got TJ Leaf, Aaron Holiday. Um, now, Chris Duarte struggling to find a role. I always thought that it wasn't probably the right decision. Proven right. Um, Isaiah Jackson, to be fair, has been great uh, for the role that he's been Very given. Very good pick. Very, Very good, good pick. pick. Still super young. Um uh, who else do we have in there? Um, Andrew Nemhard, been a great rookie this season. Very great, good pick. great, great rookie. Great pick. Um, you know I love that boy. Kendall Brown's been in the G League, but I mean, in a couple of years down the line, like there, he does have a lot of comparable aspects to his game that Aaron Gordon does. Um, very athletic. Very, very athletic. Um, so yeah, so Benedict's been averaging on the season uh, 21 points. My bad, because uh, he did have a, a little bit of a stinker uh, in one of his games, but 21 four. Uh, two and a half assists and half steal a game. Um, so in his first game, he came out, he dropped 19, then 26, then 27, then 17, then 15. And his worst game was 11, where he was only given 23 minutes, which is career low. And then uh, just yesterday against Brooklyn, he had 32. Um, now, the offensive confidence that Benedict Matherin has is like a veteran scorer. Uh, this guy is not afraid to take any shots. Um, and it reminds me of Aaron Holiday's confidence, but at a good level of basketball. Uh, now, uh, and Benedict backs up his talk, which is the best part about him. Can't wait for him to play LeBron because that'd be a uh, must-see TV at that point. But um, I mean, he's been incredible, um, and I just like how he has no quit to him, even when they're losing. Uh, his former teammate—they're uh, down against the Bulls with, I believe, like five seconds or something and they're dribbling out the clock dale and terry was dribbling out the clock who i wanted the pacers to snag uh with that second round pick but he was taken in the first round um but it would have been cool to have teammates on the team but besides the point he's on the bulls he's dribbling out the ball and uh benedict came through stole the ball went up for a fast break dunk got fouled and he's like game's not over game's not over and uh you know i like i like to see that i like to see that um and, I mean, clearly it's most impressive that he has been coming off the bench doing this. Some would argue that he's playing uh, worse checks when he gets subbed in. 
but he's playing 30-something minutes a game. He's playing starting quality players and good defenders. So that's not really an argument you can use anymore, um, especially with how consistent he's been doing it. Um, and I do think, obviously, he's going to be a starter very soon. Um, Chris Duarte's pretty much lost his spot to Aaron Neesmith, and I don't think Aaron Neesmith's going to hold that over Matherin much longer, even by the healed. But uh, Matherin, I predict, will be a starter within the next five to ten games, maybe, or one to ten games. Definitely. Um, definitely deserves it. Clear-cut second-best player on that team right now. Um, I don't know about Miles. I don't really consider him part of the team. But anyways, um, yeah, yeah, I'm just so there. excited yeah. to see Benedict uh, actually be good at basketball. Um, yeah. Now, to jump right into the next award, which I'm going to choose as being six men of the year. Um, I guess you can kind of see where I'm going with this. Um, Benedict Matherin is my, if the season ended today, he is my sixth man of the year. Um, for every single reason I just specified. So don't have to talk much about that, about Benedict. I mean, um, next up, I have Christian Wood, uh, who has been coming off the bench for Dallas, but playing most of the minutes. JaVel McGee's playing as the starting center, but he only averages about 12 minutes a game. Um, and Christian Wood is their clear-cut best, second-best player. Um, and he's been averaging about 15, or, or sorry, not 15, 19, 8, um, an assist and a block, which is, is great. Um, I don't like Christian Wood being a permanent six-man, which I think he'll be upgraded very soon. But, um, I mean, he's been great for this Dallas team, perfect player for Luka, um, better than the Porzingis fit for sure. And, um, yeah, I, I like that from uh, C. Wood. Um, and uh, he's finally free from the Rockets, you know. Um, and now he can kind of compete. Hopefully I'll see him in the playoffs. Um, and my third pick was um, one of my fantasy beasts, Jordan Poole. Um, and, uh, you know, um, I was a little underwhelmed after all the hype he was getting. But, I mean, it's pretty – it's the more realistic thing. Um now, I don't know how much I'd pay for these averages because he's making quite a lot of money. But uh, for the season, he's averaging like 16, six assists, and one and a half steals, which, I mean, he's got an all-around game. So, I mean, that's pretty good. I can't see him being um, a star until Clay is gone because he's not going to steal that spot until Clay's off the team because you just can't really do that to the guy that won you four chips, right? So, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, I like Poole as a six-man. It makes this Warriors team scary. Definitely a possibility of repeating. Um, but I really don't have much more to say about Jordan Poole. Um, let me hear your uh, six-man. Uh, I definitely have a Jordan Poole in that conversation. Uh, you know, you discussed him being your fantasy beast. The season ended today, i got to throw my fantasy beast in there. Fantasy beast. Jordan Clarkson. You know I love JC. That's my boy from the Lakers days. Those were the good Lakers days, even though they were not very good days statistically. But, you know, he's just, a, he's just a consistent guy. Like, he can give you 20 a night if you need, especially on this Jazz team that, you know, they're lacking those scores other than him and Markin, and I would say. But, you know, I look at the season, he had 29 in the second game, seven threes. You know, you fast forward a little bit, he had five threes. This guy, you know, I don't even need to discuss it too much. He can just give you 20 a night, and... You know he's he's he is a six man of the year. He has it in his in his resume already, and I wouldn't be surprised if 
you know, he joins uh, Sweet Lou and Jamal and gets another one under his belt. But that's one guy. I also want to talk about uh, Noel on the Timberwolves because, you know, he's been kind of slept on, but he's been averaging 16 points and between three and four threes a game. So on a team that, you know, they have Rudy Gobert, they have Cat, obviously, and they have D'Lo and Ant. Those guys can all get buckets aside from Rudy. And, you know, aside from Cat, those guys are all pretty good defenders. You know, he's just, he can go and get buckets. You know, he doesn't need the ball in his hands. I would say all those guys, like Cat, Cat, D'Lo, and uh, Ant especially, all need the ball in their hands to really be good performers. And he's just a guy that, like, we kind of talked about this with Buddy. Hadn't had, like, because of that, he'd fit really well in the Lakers. He can create without needing needing a lot of uh, usage and stuff. So I think he's been coming through and doing well. And if the Timberwolves just, you know, keep improving and somehow climb the rankings, he can, you know, he can give someone a run for their money. And then my last guy I'll discuss is Grant Williams. Because, you know, Brogdon's been the primary sixth man, but they're kind of, there's like, they have three guys in a, in a Derek Williams, uh, Grant Williams, and uh, or Derek White, I mean Derek White, Grant Williams, and uh, uh, Brogbama, of course. You know those three guys have kind of been rotating as a Celtics uh, sixth man. They kind of just put him on a second unit. But I think Grant Williams is definitely the best out of those three guys. You know, especially with what he contributes, which is kind of basically everything. He's mini Draymond, and I know Draymond told him you ain't me, but kind of does look like him. You know, so. Uh, build wise and skill wise <laughs> so yeah I definitely think he, he'll keep improving too especially because he's also kind of a glue guy for the Celtics team so yeah those are my three guys and honestly anyone could win like this has been a pretty consistent year and all around in terms of sixth men there's no one person who's above the rest other than Benny but like Ben will move to the starting yeah, unit I, I yeah. would say so yeah um, I so, guess yeah. these next ones we're gonna do MVP last. So uh, I guess we can talk about either uh, Coach of the Year or Defensive Player of the Year next. Uh, you know what? Let's just do Defensive Player of the Year. Now this is a really hard one to judge because I can't really judge who's the Defensive Player of the Year based on the first week of basketball or whatever. Um, so for me, I just went on who has the most rebounds, who has the most blocks, and who has the most steals. And I kind of looked at team wins, and I kind of didn't. Now, when I was looking at stats, um, obviously the player who's only played one game, being Miles Turner, uh, would have the lead of Defensive Player of the Year. But since he's played one game, I'm not going to say that. Um, I actually, uh, on a team that has zero wins that we actually talked about, Anthony Davis statistically has been a very good defender. Um, I think he's averaging about three blocks and two steals right now. I'll check my numbers. But um, for Anthony Davis, for a guy who's looked at as one of the best players uh, defensively in the NBA for basically his whole career, he's never won a Defensive Player of the Year. And I think that if he was to stay healthy at least one season, I think he has a, a very high chance of getting it. Um, right now he's averaging 12 rebounds, 2.5 steals, and 4 blocks a game. Like, that's ridiculous. And how many games does he play? He's played 4 games. So that's, like, extremely impressive. Um, and if he can replicate that all season, which there's no chance he averages four blocks all season, but if he can hover around two and a half and two and a half for steals and blocks, that's an easy win, especially double-digit rebounds, um, and maybe get you know some 
close to playoff wins, which, you know, are play-in wins even, maybe. You could take minutes still, but... <laughs> wins. Let's just, yeah. talk, let's just <laughs> yeah. start let's at wins, you know? Let's get some wins on the board. <laughs> but, I mean, yeah, statistically, AD has been different. Now, you can look at these two other guys that I'm going to mention, Rudy Gobert and Giannis. It's just typical. Um, Rudy Gobert's on a new team, so maybe he's poised to win another one. And Giannis... Um, has just been stellar as he always is on both ends of the floor. Um, I can't really say much about those guys. We know how they, how good they are defensively. Yeah, I definitely have Miles up there, but like you said, it's you know we have very small uh, amount of games to base this on. Um, some other guys I had on here, like so far, Dejounte, like. I've only watched a couple. I've been tuning in a little bit into each game, so I haven't really been watching every game from start to end, especially with there being multiple games each night, of course. But just looking at how the Hawks are playing, with Trey Young being a minus defender, DeJounte, especially on this team, having to carry less of an offensive load, I've seen him become more of a focused defensive player because he can conserve more energy for the defensive end, and he's going to be having to pick up slack from Trey Young, you know? And even though, of course, Trey makes it up on the other end, it just gives DeJounte more of an edge towards Defensive Player of the Year, in my opinion. And, you know, he'll get you those two steals, and he's also been averaging a block a game this season, which, you know, that's very impressive, especially for a guard. And he always seemed like a, a bigger player to me, but I, thought, I always thought he was, like, around 6'6", six, six, but he's only 6'4", just his wingspan that makes him such a crazy defender. But I guess that explains all the steals. But They're also winning games, guys, too. So. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's been that combination has been working out really well for them offensively and defensively, and I think they kind of knew what they were getting with DeJounte and how it would work, so I'm happy it's working out because, you know, no one's going to hate on good basketball, so... Yeah, and then I have Jalen Brown because he's all him and Tatum have been both going crazy. Like that duo is just insane. That's that duo is very. That's a in my opinion that could easily be a top five duo in the league this year. You know, especially because they're winning games too. And he's been averaging upwards of one and a half in each a block and uh, a steal. So for him also being a very good perimeter defender, it doesn't really surprise me. And then KD, too. KD's been going crazy on the averages. He's been, you know, we've known KD's a good two-way player, but he's averaging 2.2 blocks a game, which, considering he has Claxton and Ben, who are both very good defenders on his team, that's very impressive. And another, I don't think Mikal is really in contention right now for Defensive Player of the Year, but he made an all-defensive team last year, and this is like... His fourth or fifth, fourth year, I'm pretty sure. Like he's still really young, and I think out of all these guys, he has probably the highest defensive ceiling. You know, out of all the those guys I discussed, just because he's so young too, and because if you look at how Phoenix is built, he's their top defender by far. Aiton, worst defender. CP3 in his prime potentially would give him a run for his money, but you know, he's just old man CP3, so. Those are those are the people who I have in contention. Yeah, I but like, if I, I had like to choose, the KD pick a lot. If I had to choose one, I'd probably say my prediction is would be Dejounte for right now, okay. just because you know he has the biggest defensive role out of all those guys in my opinion. Yeah, and I saw in the game against uh, Nets and Pacers when uh, Buddy Heald got a fast break layup, 
Kevin Durant was just lurking behind him, and he's waiting. The second Buddy <laughs> Hield raises bad. his hand, Katie pins it on the backboard, grabs the rebound, passes it to Patty Mills, sprints up the floors, gets the ball back, and dunks it. And it's just like, <laughs> That's just what a sequence. What a sequence. Like this, uh, the defensive uh, intensity of Kevin Durant looks really good this season, um, which we all like to see. Yeah, um, I agree. So, coach of the year, um, I literally just went on wins and what teams have surprising amount of wins. Uh, so, I have JB Bickerstaff at one, Budenhoser at two, uh, specifically because Chris Middleton isn't there and they're still winning a ton of games. And Chauncey Billups, um, maybe I'd put him over Budenhoser actually, but. Chauncey Billups of the Blazers, uh, very impressive too. Yeah, I had him up there too, Chauncey Billups, because like you said, no one expected this uh, this Blazers team to do this good, you know? So he's definitely up there, I would say. I don't know how long he'll stay up there, yeah. but I also have, uh, I'm not sure who's coaching the Jazz now, but I definitely have their coach up there. I'm not I sure no who it clue. is. It's not Quinn yeah, Snyder anymore, is it? Yeah, same with the Celtics coach because, yeah, you know, especially because of the scandal that happened uh, yeah. right before the season with uh, with uh, Udoku, you know. Um, just wasn't sure how this team would be coached. You know, of course, they have the talent on their roster to compete and do well. But still, coaches makes more of an impact than we think. The so. Jazz's coach is Will Hardy, by the way. Well, shout out to Will Hardy because the boy's been going crazy this season. For a team that has definitely less talent than like 90, 90% of yep. the league, yep. and to be in the top the top percentage of wins, very, very impressive. Same. That's Yeah, and honestly, I'm not sure about this pick right now, but Tom Thibodeau has really impressed me because just how of how he's been running the offense and using Brunson in that offensive scheme – because, you know, you take Julius, and that's just someone who can easily get you 20, 10, and 5 a night. But he's decided to not use him as the primary playmaker on offense this season, of course, with the addition of Brunson. And, you know, the addition of Brunson has kind of done uh, R.J. Baird a little uh, a little dirty from what I've seen. Because I expected R.J. to to use this to his advantage and kind of become more of a score with Brunson being a playmaker. But that wasn't in Brunson's plans because, you know, he's just taking (laughs) both of those roles. So, um, yeah, those three coaches have really impressed me. And also because Tom Timido hasn't just been spamming Derrick Rose like he usually does. Mm -hmm. So I'm very impressed with how he's been using Quickly too because Quickly definitely has the potential to be a long-term guard on the Knicks. So those are my my three picks. So let's talk about MVP, and then we'll get into another uh, couple of things. But for MVP, um, now I think Giannis, uh, if it was to end today, he would be getting his third MVP. Um, for the season right now, he's averaging 34 points, 14 rebounds, 6 uh, assists, and a block and a half. Um, 35 points and 14 rebounds is ridiculous. Um and yeah. the best part of this is it's translating to wins. Now, and we know how good Giannis is, so I don't got to go in-depth into his game. Uh, but for my second pick, who, if they had more wins, would clear-cut be my first pick, and I still think they're going to win the MVP this season, is uh, Luka Doncic has been stellar this season too. Also averaged 35 points per game. He averages 11 rebounds and 9.5 and assists. So he will likely average a triple-double this season. And uh, also two steals is to go uh, 
is for a guy who isn't really wow. looked at as a great defender. I did um, not think Luca's numbers were like that like, defensively. It's ridiculous, and he's been crazy. I just like to see the Mavs win more games at this point, but I mean, it's just the start of the season, so uh, still stick by my Luca MVP pick by the end of the year. But right now, with wins and everything else, I got Giannis. Um, and then third, we've already talked about how great Dame has been and how surprising his team's been. So that's basically why I put him here. Yeah, I definitely agree with Dame and Giannis up there. You know, they're leading, their teams are leading the conferences right now in terms of wins. You know, Blazers only one loss, Milwaukee still undefeated, especially with Middleton being out. Giannis is taking on more of a role. That's his third best player, in my opinion. I think Drew Holiday's better than Chris Middleton. But that's still your third best player who's an all-star, you know? Like, he, Chris Mid, even though his name is Chris Mid, he's an all-star, you know? So that's still a big gap to fill, and Giannis has been doing a great job, obviously. He's he's Giannis. Like, we we expected this, but it's still impressive to see. Luca, of course, you discussed him, Dame. We, we talked about um, Ja. Ja, Ja, Ja. Ja's just Ja's going crazy, bro, you know? I don't like. I did not like Job being cocky last year, especially after losing to the Warriors. I feel like he really just like, you know, he was he acted like he won the championship when he lost to the Warriors, and I was giving him some hate in the off season. I was like, he's not gonna back this talk up, but he's been averaging 30, 33 points almost, fifty three percent from the field, eighty eight percent from the line, seven assists. Like, he's been going crazy. He's just been. It's Jaw. I don't even have to discuss anymore. You know, everyone knows. Like, Jaw's. I hate to say this, but Jaw might be him, you know? He might. Just might. I don't want to say it too soon. And, and then the last person I'll discuss is Tatum. Tatum, without a doubt, is going to be in contention for MVP this year, in my opinion. He's, he's played now. One, two, three, four, five. On, in his sixth game, he's all, they're, they're finishing up their sixth game. And he's been averaging 32, and he has, he has, out of those five games, he has four performances with 30-plus points, one of them being 29 points. But, you know, that's that's crazy. And, you know, I feel like everyone kind of just sees this as natural evolution. But the Celtics are going to be at the top of the conference as well. I'm in the Bucks, So Tatum's the clear leader on that team, even with Jalen Brown being so good. And 32 points, 8 rebounds, 3.6 assists, 1.2 blocks. On 56%, and keep in mind, he shot 45% from the field last season. So to jump from 45 to 56%, that's a very big jump, especially for the amount of shots he's taking. And obviously, shooting 90% from the line, like, he might have a 50-40-90 season. Honestly, I could see that happening. And, and it's just it's just impressive. Like, you know, that's my boy, so I'm going to have him on this list, but... Yeah, there's honestly so many people who get, who could be the MVP by the end of the season because stats-wise, there's so many players who have the stats for MVP. It's just whoever has the wins combined with those stats, and that's what that's what we'll have to decide by the, the time the season ends. But, yeah, I definitely agree with you right now. It's definitely close. Now, once you brought up Giannis uh, and the Bucks talking about their best players, I totally forgot to include this guy in my Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, but Brooke Lopez, I don't know if you've seen his stats – on defense, yeah. he's averaging 3.6 blocks a game and a steal yeah. a game and seven rebounds. Ridiculous. Like, Especially for someone who a lot of people just kind of wrote off as kind of old. 
But I mean, yeah. Brooke Lopez was once an All NBA player, All Star, and on the Bucks, he's taken a whole different ego of Brooke Lopez, a whole different play style. And I mean, yeah. he's still been good. A lot of people wrote him off after his injury that he had. Uh, I think it was last year, the year before that. But um, I mean, he's still like solidified center championship yeah. center um, in the NBA. Um, but let's talk about okay. So now that we've went through every award, uh, since we're already at an hour and twenty minutes, surprisingly, um, let's jump into uh, most impro- most impressive players and most disappointing players. Now I feel like going over the disappointing players would be probably a little quicker. So I'm just gonna list off my players and some brief uh, things about them. Uh, so R.J. Barrett. Um, I'm pretty like I mean he's averaging close to 20 points, but um, I just felt that with the addition of Jalen Brunson, making players better is what Jalen Brunson is kind of looked at to do. R.J. Barrett's been shooting atro- atrociously from the field, which has not been happy. Like I I was pretty high on him going into this season, um, and I mean could turn it around, but who knows? But this is if the season ended today, so uh, yeah, R.J. Barrett's on there. Um, now, even though my next guy, I don't blame him for the Lakers issues. Uh, Russell Westbrook has been a little disappointing to me. Um, especially just basically his field goal percentage. His defense has been very impress- impressive, but his offense is which, what he's known for, for the most part. And it's been very, very subpar. Um, now this one, you're not going to expect me to say, but it kind of hurts me. Uh, Sabonis has been disappointing wow. me. He, he kind of wow. disappoints me. Now, uh, De'Aaron <laughs> Fox... Let me, let me hear you. Let me hear you. De'Aaron Fox isn't really one that people look at as a selfless point guard. And I think we've kind of seen that in Sabonis' tenure here in Sacramento. Now, in Indiana, he was the man. He was him. He was doing everything. He was point center. And now, uh, Sabonis has yet to crack 20 points. Um, five games into the season, um, and he is averaging uh, for the season fourteen and a half points, nine rebounds, six assists, and a steal and a block. Now, the assists are slightly down from last year. The rebounds are slightly really? down, and the points are slightly down. Uh, the defense has improved, but that's just kind of because he's been given more keys to the front court. Um, but uh, I mean, offensively, it's just that he doesn't get as much touches as he did. And uh, if you're buying in and trading a superstar like Tyrese Halliburton, you got to give Sabonis a, a bigger role, at least um, alongside Fox. Now, um, I think he's definitely going to probably turn it around a little bit. But as of right now, kind of disappointing. Um, another guy, uh, Patrick Beverly. Disappointed with that. Uh, now, the shooting percentage, horrid. So that's the only thing I have against him right now. And uh, we talked about this earlier with uh, Lori Markkinen, but um, Colin Sexton, very disappointing. Now, he was expected to come in here and be him. But turns out Lori Markkinen, who wasn't really looked at as a star of this trade, has been that. And Colin Sexton is struggling. Um so yeah, that's all I gotta say about my disappointing players. Yeah, I definitely agree with all of those, especially Sexton. Like when that trade went through, everyone 
I remember even everyone in our group chat discussing fantasy. We were like, yeah, this guy's like, he's going to go crazy fantasy-wise. Like, like, I'll be honest, I probably had him at around, like, 18 and, like, 6 assists. Like, you know, he's he's a great basketball player. He plays with great intensity, but this season he's not displayed that. So definitely agree with you there. But moving into mine, first player is Mo Bamba. And I know he his last game, he had a monster game in, like, 16 minutes, like, 19 points and, like, three or four blocks. But I feel like it also has to do with role. Like, he's playing with Wendell and Bobble on his team. And while he started off higher in the rotation than, than Bobble, Bobble just came in and just played amazing off the bat. And looking at what Bobble can do for this team that doesn't necessarily need what Moe's offering, Bobo can contribute what Moe's offering and more, in my opinion. And Bobo just has higher potential. So I think the Magic kind of recognize that. And I love Mo Bamba. I think he definitely can be a, a good, solid NBA player. Maybe not an all-star. He needs but, a different team. You know, yeah, he definitely needs a different team and a new start. And it's kind of tough because you look at all the teams and all their centers, and I would say, like, probably a, a fat chunk if not all the starting centers are way better than Mo Bamba and even the back most backup centers are are better than I don't know about most of them but most teams don't need him as a backup center but there's definitely a team where he could get at least 20 minutes a night still like him on the Raptors so the Raptors could use him very well because he can and the Hornets he can stretch and the floor. Lakers and uh, Hornets just need to develop well, Mark Williams that, the Hornets needs need to be bad yeah, but, exactly. They just need a. They just need a throw. I don't know. They gotta get Victor or something. Like, <laughs> I don't know. That it won't happen. But yeah, I don't know. Mobamba, the potential's there. He just needs the minutes, and he's not getting. He won't be getting that on the Magic, especially with Wendell and Bobo being in front of him. Um, another player is Clay. Clay is. Yeah, I forgot you know, to mention. I really Booty. thought Clay, Clay would come back, and he'd be not the same Clay. But he'd be at least like 18, 20 points, Clay, and like steal and a half, Clay, you know? Like, I thought he'd be good defensive presence, Clay, but he's been a bad shooter. Like, not bad shooter, obviously, but he's been chucking a lot for this team. His field goal percentage has been atrocious. You know, he got, Devin Booker got in his head, his first ejection, and like, I don't know, I don't know if it was his career in like 78, I don't know if it was 78 games. I don't remember what it was, but. You know, can't be letting Devin Booker <laughs> get in your head. Like, Kendall Jenner's his girlfriend. Like, you can't be letting that dude get in your head, you know? So that kind of disappointed me, especially because, like, everyone loves Clay and, like, we all want to see him do well. So, yeah. And then another player we already kind of discussed is just Ben Simmons. But, yeah, I just think it's just so, like, right now. And, you know, he has the excuse of he hasn't played in two years. So. He can still ride that excuse for a little longer in my books, and I think he'll get his, his stuff together. So, yeah, those are my three guys. Um, I also uh, want to just dive back to Colin Sexton for half a second here. So we can't forget that Colin Sexton in 2020-2021 um, averaged 24 points. And, you know, since then, he's averaging 12 right now. So half as many wow. points. Um and the assist numbers are also half as many. Um, the rebounds are the same, but that's just a big fall off from right now. I mean, he is—he's dealt with the injury bug. This is his first time back, but 
they're expecting him to, you know, his injury wasn't something that's going to uh, dismantle his career like most of these other guys we're talking about, like Clay. Um, but, you know, that's just a fun, fun fact. He's been really bad. Yeah, if you put it in perspective, very, he's been really bad. Yeah, a very fun fact for uh, all his other Jazz teammates who are soaking his minutes right now. That's very fun for them. Yeah. Actually, if we're already go, if if you're going back on Sexton and discussing him, I kind of wanted to go back to you talking about Sabonis because while he hasn't necessarily been living up to, I guess what you anticipated anticipated from him, of course him being your favorite player, I personally have been pretty impressed with Sabonis. Like you said, his defense has been better than before, and that's the big difference I wanted to see from him. And I honestly think his offense will improve. I think it's also because Fox has just been starting off this season insanely hot. But I think he'll get back. Like, I don't know. I think Sabonis is obviously the second option on offense. And I think it'll start to show more as the season goes on. But I'm kind of been, I'm kind of impressive, impressed with Sabonis because you also know I've been a... I'm not a Sabonis hater, especially compared to our other friends. But I definitely will critique him when there's stuff to critique. And... Especially all his years on the Pacers, defense was the biggest thing to critique. So, especially you discussing about how he's just been a better force, better uh, presence on defense, that's it's impressive in my book. So, you know, there's plus minus in Sabonis' season so far, and I definitely think he's more likely to improve on offense compared to degressing uh, and getting worse on defense. So, you know, you can take it how you want, but at least something's looking better, you know? I just think he can do both. So I agree. I agree. <laughs> um, let's talk about the most impressive players. Um, so you already touched on this with Mo Bamba, but Bull Bull finally has found a place where he is getting 20 minutes a game. And he's doing everything. He's doing everything that we knew he could do. He should have been given those keys quite some time ago. But um, Nuggets. Yeah, imagine. I'm so mad. I'm uh, so mad. Yeah, he can stretch the floor. He can play crazy defense. He can handle the ball. He can play make. I mean, yeah. he's really skinny, but 2. that's it. 2.3 like, blocks a game right yeah, now. Yeah, he's blocking. Like, he's great at everything. <laughs> like, he's just... And it's crazy how fast he can move, given his frame. But, uh, I mean, yeah, very impressive. Another guy who's kind of back and uh, has impressed me is Dennis Smith Jr. Now, this is a situational thing because, I mean, if he wasn't... If, if LaMelo didn't get injured, he, this guy wouldn't have probably gotten a shot at another NBA roster. But Dennis Smith Jr. is putting up quality minutes and quality stats given in those minutes. And um, he's kind of shown that he is an NBA player again. Uh, now, a lot of the blame was put on Rick Carlisle and Luca for his uh, falling out of the NBA. But he's back, and uh, he shows that he is still a quality point guard, at least from the sample size we've got. He can be a quality backup point guard. Um, and, I mean, it's just it's you love to see guys that are heavily slept on come back and play well um um also another one most impressive players uh laurie markinen already talked about him halliburton already talked about him dame already talked about him and uh, another one i'd like to add is uh james harden um is finally uh you know um started off the season super hot um kind of leveled out a little bit but um you know he's, he's showing that offensive confidence that he had back in houston and that's exactly what this team needs. Um, Doc Rivers was telling Harden that he wants Harden to close games. He doesn't want to always look towards Embiid. And um, right now on the season, Harden's averaging uh, 22 points, 
seven rebounds, nine assists, uh, a steal, and a block. And, I mean, you just love the defense that he's playing. You love the playmaking. He's one of the best playmakers in the NBA, probably top three in my opinion. Um, and, I mean, there's this, like, one game that Harden had that really stood out to everyone was, actually, there's multiple he had. Uh, I'll just list all three of them because why not? Uh, in his first game, he had 35 points, eight rebounds, and seven assists. Um, in the next game after that, he had 31, 8, and 9, and two steals. And then he also had a uh, 29, 9, and 11 game. He, he's just nearing a triple-double every game now. He had one bad Naturally. game against Toronto, um, and that's it. Like He's been a great, great, great player, and the Sixers team will be scary when they turn it around. Yeah. I definitely agree with you, especially considering... Like, when you look at a player like Westbrook getting triple-doubles, I know Russ is just that type of player, but everyone knows in his MVP season he wanted that triple-double record. He wanted that average, you know. Him and Harden are just two players who, and Luka, of course, their natural play style will get them those numbers. And especially those, uh, the double-digit assists, Harden, I think he can definitely average at least he 10 can, assists. Yeah, he especially can do that all. With, with Maxi developing into an even better score than last season. You have Tobias who can hit a shot from anywhere on the floor and beat, of course. Like, he has all the options on offense. Everyone who passes to is capable of scoring. So I definitely agree with that. Um, yeah, we discussed Fox being impressive. We discussed Christian Wood being in your sixth man running. I'm very impressed with how he's fitting in with uh, Luka, of course. You know, I think everyone expected him to fit in well because it's Luka. But... He talked about Dennis Smith Jr. Very happy he got that opportunity because he was a high draft pick. And, you know, like we've all been discussing this, like in our, you know, in our friend group, like he, he just needs the opportunity. And I'm happy like he got it because I think it was also just his mentality early on. Just wasn't given the keys right away or like anywhere. <laughs> and I feel like he was used to just even for, since high school, he was that guy, you know crazy bounce he was ball his life showing him everywhere even in uh even in uni like he was going crazy like you know he was a high draft pick like i said so i think this opportunity just he needed it so i'm very happy about that and the last guy i'll touch up on because we've kind of discussed like on my list at brunson and vassell but we've already touched on them so one more guy who i don't think we've talked about enough is pascal mm -hmm. pascal yeah, putting that there. has been going crazy He's been going crazy in all aspects of the game. Like, you, we know the Raptors have been leaning towards the, you know, the forwards who can do it all. You know, they can play defense, they can dribble, they can play make. Pascal's had games with 11 assists, 9 assists, 13 assists. You know, this guy's been doing it all for the Raptors. On the season, he's averaging 25, 9, and almost 8 assists a game. Like, that's wild to me. The Raptors just... Their vision and how they how they how they've assembled their team to just be like four players who can do it all, and then just have Fred, who's like a solid point guard defensively, offensively, get you a bucket from anywhere. Like the Raptors, just you know, I think they're a sleeper. Like if it's not this year, it'll be next year. But yeah, Pascal, especially with like I thought Scotty would take a bigger leap, but still considering can, he ha but... he's definitely still can. It's still really early, but. Yeah. It's been Pascal who's been taking the leap, even if it's even if it's not a huge one statistically. It's definitely a big leap on the court and with how they're using him. And I remember when Kawhi left, there was speculation about if Pascal can be that guy and you know if he can if he can lead this Raptors team. And I think with how they've built the team around him and how it's not like 
him and then a bunch of players who are a tier below him and they're you know they have fred who's on his tier i would say scotty who's like in a year or two he can be on his tier you know i think they've built a very good team around him where he's still the best player but he has people who can help him so i definitely think pascal and the raptors in general have been very impressive this season maybe if it's maybe not necessarily statistics wise because they are sitting at three and three right now but you know it could go up could go down who knows but i like how they're running their team so shout out to Masai. yeah for sure uh so that's all we got for today um I mean, a pretty long episode. This might be the longest one we've ever done. But, um, I mean, full of good stuff. Uh, NBA season's looking fun already. Um, and this season, we're seeing, we saw so much movement in the offseason. And, uh, I mean, the draft class coming up is, is super exciting. The draft class that we have right now is full of studs. So many guys that are high-quality players. And, yeah, just a lot to look forward to. But uh, with that, Lihu, thank you for joining us this week. We'll definitely have you back uh in the near future um and as for the viewers have a great rest of your morning evening night afternoon or whatever you're listening and uh we will catch you next week